welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Welcome into Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. We are ready to go. We've got a big weekend coming up. We've got Eric Gomez on this program to talk about the current state of discussion around Copa America 2016. Big tournament scheduled originally for the United States. Very much in doubt at this point. We'll get into the details of how that's all going to be sorted in a couple of minutes. First, and most importantly, let's just go ahead and talk about what today is, what it means, and how much reflection we should all be going through as we remember the events of 14 years ago. I, myself, was just a lad, 21 years old, I believe, at the time, heading into uh, being 22, my birthday very close. And at the time, I was trying to figure out my life, didn't have a direction, had failed out of college, so, you know, that's cool. Come back home, I think I was living uh, with my parents or my mom, I'm not really sure what the situation was, trying to remember that, where I was. I moved around a lot from apartment to apartment at that point in my life. I was working a, a job that didn't like too much, customer service, answering phones, medical coding book company. And I uh, hadn't had a vacation of any real type in a long time. And my parents, who eventually ended up splitting, but at the time were trying to reconcile, they had a timeshare in Aruba. They decided to go on a trip to Aruba, and they asked if I wanted to come along. Just go to the beach, hang out, gambling, all that stuff. So I went to Aruba. I vividly remember watching my football team, my NFL team, play the night before on a Monday night. They lost. wasn't cool. My favorite player, one of my favorite players, broke his leg. Anyway, woke up the next morning. You know, I'm on vacation. Didn't wake up early. Turn on the television to find out what's happening in New York and D.C. and in Pennsylvania. And felt like... uh, Felt like my heart was ripped out of my chest. It was a, a very a very troubling, obviously, we all went through that experience of having to, to process what was going on in our country. Um, I, I don't remember a whole lot after that, in, in that day. I remember my parents were out on a scuba diving boat trying to get in touch with them to find out if they knew what was going on. I remember the next couple of days, pretty blurry commiserating with the uh, the other Americans who were in Aruba at the time. There weren't a lot. It wasn't really Euro- U.S. tourist season. It was more a lot, of, a lot of South Americans on the island. I remember just, uh, you know, sharing drinks and, and, tr- and trying to, again, trying to process it as part of community. Americans uh, supporting Americans. And, uh, you know, beyond that, I, I don't know what else to say other than remember where you were, remember how you felt. If you were around for that, if you're old enough to remember, if you're not old enough to remember, talk to somebody who was either in New York or in D.C. or has some sort of perspective on the events of 9-11 in 2001. I uh, I guess Bill says the Broncos did beat the Giants that night. I I guess I remember McCaffrey's leg injury more than the the win, Bill. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, My father at the time was in the Air Force. Or no, he had retired, but he was a contractor, defense contractor at that point, working at the Pentagon. So uh, he was on vacation. Not everybody knows when you go on vacation. Got a billion phone calls. My little brother and little sister at home in Northern Virginia having to deal with all of that. It was, uh, 
It was obviously a turning point in the history of this country. Definitely worth remembering. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I, I just wanted to to note the day and a solemn reflection today. All right, let's hit the news ahead of Eric Gomez. Manchester United goalkeeper David De Gea, the man at the center of a botch transfer to Real Madrid. Remember the problems with the facts and the timing, and, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Has signed a contract extension with Manchester United, four-year contract extension with an option for a fifth year. Mild, mildly surprising, although there really wasn't a whole lot of options for De Gea. He said, quote, I am delighted to be starting this new chapter in my United career. I have always enjoyed playing with these great players in front of these fantastic fans. Manchester United is a special club, and Old Trafford is an ideal place for me to continue to develop my career. I'm looking forward to putting a difficult summer behind me and concentrating on working hard to improve and help my teammates be successful. Now, that is the, that is the Manchester United website statement from David De Gea. You know it's sanitized and everything else, but uh, there it is. Portland Timbers midfielder Darlington Nagby has finally become an American citizen. That means he is now eligible for the United States men's national team. Lots of speculation over whether or not Jurgen Klinsmann will call up Darlington Nagby. Find it very unlikely that will happen before January. You do have a January camp where Klinsman likes to bring in, as his predecessors did. Fringe players, MLS players, guys out of season, give them a look as he heads into what will be the meat of the World Cup qualifying campaign. A report from Fox Sports Argentina suggests Mexico has been tapped as a host of the Copa America 2016 tournament. Again, we're going to talk to Eric Gomez about this development. Eric actually reported what Fox Sports Argentina was reporting on his Twitter account last night, Eric Gomez 86. The Mexican reports, though, encountering this Fox Sports Argentina report, say that the FMF does not want to host and is still backing the United States as the site of the tournament. Rumors are rampant that Commonwealth officials wanted to move the competition for fear of being arrested in the United States. There's now a meeting set for September 17th in Mexico with both CONCACAF and Commonwealth officials where they will discuss the future of the tournament. U.S. soccer has lined up Haiti to replace Australia for two U.S. women's national team friendlies next week. Remember, the Australian women's team on strike from the Football Federation Australia over pay increases. This is part of a general labor action on the part of players, both men and women in Australia. The match is set for September 17th in Detroit and September 20th in Birmingham, Alabama will now feature the Haitian national team. A little bit of a drop in quality there. Steven Gerrard has told the Daily Mail he would have stayed in Liverpool if he had been offered the chance of a coaching role, or he would have stayed as a squad player if a coaching role was in his near future. His comments were viewed yesterday around the internet as criticism of MLS and the level of MLS. I didn't take them that way. It sounded to me like a man who had spent his entire career playing in his hometown, just desperately missed playing in that environment. Knew he had to move on and is now in a different chapter. Jose Mourinho says goalkeeper Thibaut Courtois needed, needs knee surgery and will be out for, quote, a long time. He suffered an MCL uh, injury in training on Wednesday. Asmir Begovic steps in to the starting role for Chelsea. Big weekend of matches. Let me just run down a couple of them. The Milan Derby on Sunday, 2.45 p.m. Eastern, being sports Spanish. Everton-Chelsea on Saturday, 7.45 on, ES, on uh, NBCSN. Manchester United versus Liverpool. Maths the match there, 12.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC proper. River and Boca, maybe one that slipped your attention. On Sunday, 5.15 p.m. Eastern, streaming on YouTube, if I'm not mistaken. Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Sunday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern, be in sport. And MLS, Red Bull Chicago tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern on Unimas. LA Galaxy in Montreal tomorrow, 10 p.m. Eastern, MLS Live. 
Toronto, New England on Sunday at 5 on ESPN2 and Orlando City and Sporting Kansas City at 7 p.m. Eastern on Fox Sports 1. Just a couple of the games that are coming up this weekend. All right, let's uh, get ready. We'll bring on Eric Gomez. We'll talk about Copa America 2016, where things stand, what this meeting might bring. Soccer morning, worldsoccertalk.com. Never forget. Facing the crowd You're talking too loud During the past few months, we've created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite MLS team play on TV, muting the broadcast, heading over to Rabble.tv to hear my audio during the game, and then drinking a cold beverage as we spend 90 minutes together discussing our favorite league. Now Rabble.tv is taking it to the next level with a brand new redesign, as well as new apps for Android and iOS smartphones and tablets. So no matter whether you're at home or on the road, Tune into this Sunday's broadcast between Orlando and Sporting Kansas City and listen to me sharing my thoughts and opinions. With Rabble, you can join in too by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. And if you have an iPhone or Android, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast? Call one of your team's games. It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Orlando City versus Sporting Kansas City on Ravel.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are, Soccer Morning, back talking now to our friend Eric Gomez from south of the border where he has been monitoring all of the scuttlebutt, which is a fantastic word, around the Copa America 2016 tournament. Uh, lots of speculation that this tournament might be moved. Eric, how are you? I'm doing great this morning. That's a, um, that, that is a great word, scuttlebutt. It is. I Let's have to a- chuckle a little bit. <laughs> it's a scuttlebutt. It's a kerfuffle. It's all of those crazy words we never use anymore because they sound like old people. Let's, um, let, let's set the stage, okay? So Obviously, this idea, the grain of an idea of, of Copa America 2016, a centennial celebration of the tournament, uh, was planned for the United States. Or The thought was, let's do it in the United States for a couple of reasons. I think, Eric, uh, even the least cynical among us understand that this was a, as much about making some money as it was about celebrating uh, South American football history. Um, it, we've gotten now, it, it came to a point where there was an official announcement and everybody was getting ready for this tournament to come off, and then the FIFA scandal happened. Is that, is that, is that ultimately the reason why we're here wondering if this thing is actually going to happen? Um, in a word, yes. And even though that was just the unofficial version that, w- that was circulating yesterday when Fox Sports Argentina um, sent out their initial report regarding this, this issue, that seems to be the case. I think that uh, we've arrived at a point where... Um, Con- uh, Con- officials and FIFA officials in general, of course, some of these guys are, are one and the same, um, have realized that it is a huge risk to their personal freedom to have the tournament into the United States. Um, whether that is an admission of guilt or not is completely up to your listeners. I think the, the answer is pretty obvious for some of those guys. Um, but that's precisely the reason why we've arrived at, at a point where the United States is not being looked at as the only option to host this tournament next year. 
Um, before we arrived at Mexico being a uh, an option for for the Copa America Centenario, um, there were plenty of debates in South America as to whether Chile, who of course hosted the Copa America this year, um, Ecuador, Colombia, and Brazil, given the fact that they hosted the 2014 World Cup, uh, would be able to uh, host the tournament. Um, there was also a talk of a joint Central American bid. And finally, we've we've gone a little bit more to the north now with Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's been a lot of a, a lot of discussion about this. Yesterday, I called a couple of FMF officials. I was pretty much stonewalled. One of them played the old uh, "Huh? What? I don't know what you're talking about" card. <laughs> and uh, and the second one was a little bit more cooperative, but he still said that that it was not. A um, a 100% thing, and uh, he had heard the discussions, but the, they were still very preliminary and not dependent on whether even Mexico wanted to mm-hmm. host the tournament or not. I mean, they were still um, talking about whether it was still a possibility to have uh, the tournament in the United States, et cetera, or somewhere else. So it was never handled as a as an official destination for Copa America, at least not from the FMF's perspective. Uh, now, this report is pretty interesting to me because the official source for the Fox Sports Argentina report is um, guys within the Argentine Football Association or the uh, AFA um, who have a pretty big sway on Conrad politics and South American football in general. So it's a, it's a very interesting um, very interesting source. And um, 20 minutes ago, Televisa, who is pretty much the owner and the lord of of uh, of, of soccer in Mexico, um, they own Club America, they own the Estadio Azteca, and they have a, a huge influence over the over the Mexican national team. They tweeted 20. Let me see, 27 minutes ago. And this is very interesting because it's not a report. There's no link attached to it to their website. It just says. Uh, there's no possibility that the Copa America Centenario will be played in Mexico next year. Hmm. And again, no attachment of a report, no link, no outside source. Right. This is Televisa Deportes just tweeting out, hey, this is not happening. So, I mean, it's definitely a, a very interesting development as to, as to what's been going on for the last 12 hours. Um, I still see South American journalists, uh, some guys who have worked with in the past, uh, telling me and tweeting in general that this is something that uh, Conable is pushing for. So maybe maybe over the course of, of last night we had this proposal officially reach the FMF and, and, and maybe the FMF said no. Um, it's definitely a possibility. Uh, but uh, this is <clears throat> this is not going away anytime soon. No, certainly it's very it's a very muddled situation. Any chance at all if um, if AFA officials were the source of the Fox Sports Argentina report that that was a trial balloon that they were putting it out there into the public sphere to see how the Mexicans would respond without having to go through internal channels. You know, I certainly think that that could have been in a. Um a ploy, um, especially given the fact that the FMF officials that I spoke to did not have any official knowledge of, of what was going on. They had heard the talks, but it, it was not something that had been brought to their attention in, in a uh, formal document or a formal offer. 
Um, that could very well have happened over the course of the last 12 hours. They could have gotten this this phone call from Conbol asking them what their interest was, and, and we might have an answer by now. Um, I know that there's a meeting next week between CONCACAF and Conbol officials <clears throat> regarding the fate of the Copa America Centenario. There has been a, another report uh, from colleagues down here in Mexico who have spoken to, um, I, I would say, uh, another FMF official or maybe the same one that I spoke to, but they got a slightly different response saying that uh, their first priority was to support the United States in their hosting bid or in their hosting um, capacity, whether that's official or non-official. Um, so there's, you know, there, the initial reluctance kind of struck me as odd. Um, I would think that Mexico would be chomping at the bit to host a, a major international tournament. They've done so, you know, not very, not very far off ago. Uh, we had the U-17 World Cup and played in Mexico in 2011. That was a FIFA event. It, it came off splendidly. Uh, Mexico has been developing some some great A stadiums over the over the course of the last decade. Yeah. Um, you know, Guadalajara Stadium, uh, Monterey Stadium, Santos Laguna Stadium. The Estadio Azteca is, is undergoing extensive remodeling this year, and um, it was said that 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 remodeling would be done by next year. So the time frame certainly fit, and uh, it would be smart of Conmebol to, to reach out if they don't want to have the, the tournament in the United States. And I think that regardless of what goes on in the next uh, few days, I, it's, it's seeming more and more unlikely that the tournament will be held in, in the United States. It, 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 there, there's obviously so much, so much of this is politics in addition to just simple fear on the part of officials who don't want to put themselves in a position to be arrested in the United States. And I, I guess what's interesting and, and what you're pointing to there is what would what would what would entice the FMF to decide that they're going to be a solid block in support of a, of a U.S. hosting, even with all of this stuff swirling? What what possible reason would the FMF have to say we're backing the United States unless there's something coming the other direction, or or if they they've managed to convince themselves that that a U.S. tournament is to Mexican soccer's benefit? I mean, obviously they play here all the time; they make a lot of money here, but that. This wouldn't directly go into their pocket. I don't know. It's very difficult to figure out. I, st I still think that there's a lot to be gained um, from Mexican TV stations, TV networks here, and for the FMF in general to have the tournament in the played in the United States. I think that the economic arrangement that has um, prevailed over the last uh, decade with Soccer United Marketing and the FMF has always been to a mutual benefit. Um, I think that the United States and Mexico, despite being so adversarial on the pitch, I mean, they're, they're really very friendly off the pitch because they make each other tons of money. I mean, this is not a secret. I'm not ruffling any feathers by saying this, um, but it's, it's a relationship that has made the FMF hundreds of millions of dollars over the last decade, uh, if not more. So to really kind of think uh and have this relationship potentially damaged by by Mexico taking a tournament that was originally scheduled for the United States through uh -huh. no fault of their own because right. in the end this is Conmebol's show yeah and they can do whatever they want they with can. it right but um <clears throat> the perception would definitely be uh that of Mexico swooping in and taking this United this tournament that was destined for the United States mm -hmm. so there's that you know that one reason <clears throat> i think is good enough but then there's the other unofficial official reason um, for the tournament being moved, which is the fact that most of these guys are, are scared of, of setting foot within the United States or they're angered 
by what the United States government has done. Right. And they don't want to allow the United States to get this economic bonanza or this potential economic bonanza. So, you know, Mexico <clears throat> would be perceived as this country that is kind of becoming a haven for these guys. They're saying, okay, well, you know, you're scared of going into the United States. You have no right. issue coming into Mexico. And so we're, we're guilty by association. So I think that from a PR standpoint would be a negative move for Mexico. Well, I, and I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know the legalities. I don't know what kind of relationship, um, the, the American department of justice has with, with Mexican, uh, government officials and, and whether or not there's even a possibility that these, these guys who, who may fear, uh, coming to the U.S. might have reason to fear going to Mexico as well. I don't know what those agreements are. Obviously, we saw arrest in Switzerland, so there was clearly an extradition right. treaty and, a, and, a, and a, an agreement there between those two bodies. Um, so I don't know if that comes into play. I'm curious to know where U.S. soccer stands. And while you've reached out to FMF officials and gotten two very interesting responses, even if they don't say a lot, I've yet to see any original reporting. And I don't, unfortunately, I don't have any U.S. soccer uh, sources. I wish I did. I haven't seen any original reporting on how U.S. soccer is handling this just from just from their posture, Eric? Because I think that's going to be interesting. Right. The, the, the U.S. you know U.S. soccer has no connection to what what the Department of Justice and the FBI did, and yet the perception is monolithic block. Americans are Americans. You're all in this together. How does Kaladi d- deal with this? I mean, does he just sort of stand there and go, "Guys, figure it out," and whatever you decide, I'm cool with that. I mean, how else can he do it? Yeah, I think first and foremost, we need to remember. Uh, that this is a tournament that was originally, I mean, traffic sports, which is obviously under a lot of scrutiny wow. and, and, and a lot of, uh, legal trouble since this whole FIFA raid began, it was an integral part of, <laughs> of Conmebol's, um, tournament organizing in, in the United States, um, CONCACAF as well. So they've got one partner who's in hot water right now. And, um, I would assume that until nothing is official, why why make a stink about it? Uh, if you're U.S. soccer, you've and there have been all these rumors swirling around the tournament, the status of of the United States as a um, as the host. I mean, the U.S. is a first world country again. I'm not saying any 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 secrets um, <laughs> by uh, by revealing that the United States is a first world country, and if they are given three months to organize a uh, world class tournament. They're able to do so. There's no secret there. And I think that even with all of this, all of these reports coming out and all of this uncertainty swirling around uh, the status of the tournament proper, um, that's really not up to U.S. soccer to decide to say, come out in here and say, wait, well, wait a minute. I mean, we were right. yep. in this together. We said, yes, we're going to be holding the tournament in one year, and you're now you're trying to take it away. I mean, I think at this point, it's better to just kind of take a step back and say, all right, you're the ones who are completely involved in this mess. You figure it out, yeah. and then come back to me and, and, right. and tell me well, what, what, mean, it, what it, your decision look, is. There's still more there. I mean, we, we don't really know, and I've said on this show, we need some some clear we need some clear explanation uh, on the part of US soccer exactly how deep and and how you know we we saw the senate hearings uh we saw Dan Flynn get in front of of uh, senators and say things like well I was uncomfortable no 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 that's not going to do it we need more from US soccer i don't think that's in doubt at all i, I don't know how that's impacting copa america 2016 but i i would love for US soccer to stand up and say okay look chuck blazer was doing this jack warner was doing this the world of football was like this, and here's where we stood, and here's what we did. Now, obviously, they're not going to implicate themselves in anything, Eric, but you have to imagine that right. it goes beyond what they've, what they've disclosed to this point. In terms of, as you said, in terms of 2016, 
they could throw the tournament with three months' notice. Well, three months might be stretching it based on stadium availability right. and, and, and some logistics. But, yeah, it's all there for, for the taking if they want to do it. Um, I, I guess at this point, man, I, I'm not sure even where to go with this now. I mean, it, it, the meeting is next week. Common Bowl officials, CONCACAF officials, both of those bodies are a mess based on the, the arrests uh, that we've had. No one seems to know what they want to do. What we do know, I guess what we should do is establish what we absolutely know. And that what we, sh- what we think we know is that Combo uh, Bowl is going to hold this tournament regardless. They're going to have a centennial celebration regardless of where it is. It's just a matter of figuring that part out. Right, exactly. Until, you know, <laughs> they've been strangling the idea that they're going to have this tournament no matter what. And I think it's a credit to them and their love of money. And that's, you know, something that I think is also readily apparent. And I'm talking about Comable and CONCACAF at this point. Um, but I think their main concern should be, you know, we, there have been a lot of people involved in this scandal, a lot of embezzling, alleged embezzling, a lot of alleged criminal activity and now they're they're still planning to have this tournament that potentially could uh, create opportunities to make a lot of money for them. So how does that you know how do how do they go about reporting this in a way um, you know the amount of money that they make and the deals that they strike that uh, doesn't come off as suspicious or yeah. doesn't come off to uh, the United States potentially uh, taking a look at their books, if, especially if that tournament is going to be held in the United States. Yeah, is there? Is there? Um, at this, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Yeah, go ahead. That's okay. Go ahead. Well, they're also you mentioned traffic, and, and obviously traffic was directly involved in the creation of the tournament and the bidding for the for the media rights. Um, you know, you got the sense once the scandal broke that Copa America 2016, outside of hey, it's our hundredth anniversary of Copa America, let's have a party, was let's shift some money around. Let's make create an opportunity for right. people to make money uh, under the table illegally, and, and Traffic Sports responsible for a lot of that. Aaron Davidson obviously caught up in it, uh, and how it as well. The, the, that, that part of it, you know, they're gonna have to, they have to rebid all of the media rights, right? There, there are other things on the table beyond just where it happens. They also have to figure out who's going to be paying money, legitimate money, to, to, to broadcast it. They do, and uh, that's what strikes the. That's what strikes me about that Televisa tweet that I just mentioned and that I've retweeted on on my account. It's just a very difficult situation for them, Concacaf and Comable, to be in, knowing full well that they can't trust their their media partner. Um, I'm reading the uh, the Televisa dot com. Um, the Televisa.com, uh, just the article regarding yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's what like their five tweet lines. was all about. And, <laughs> and again, there's no there's no. no source. There's no outside source. This is Televisa basically putting out a statement. And they're saying the tournament is not going to be played in Mexico. Uh, you know, we're, we're aware of the rumors that were uh, placed in South American media yesterday. But there's no possibility that Mexico... Um, takes the tournament in case the United States does not organize it, and it would be a South American country that would still uh, be um, taking organization of this tournament. Seventeenth uh, September seventeenth, the meeting will be held in Mexico City, right? Which is a very important thing to remember here. Uh, that's I think part of the reason why this rumor or this this um, 
this report came out and the, you know, the, it was pretty much a slam dunk if you put the, uh, the pieces together. But, you know, here we have this incredibly powerful company and I, I don't want to understate that. Televisa is one of the most powerful media companies in soccer in the world. They are one of the companies that move around the most amount of money, not just in Mexico, not just in the United States, but worldwide. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much going <laughs> with what they have to say. Yeah. If they're saying that Mexico is not going to hold this tournament, that's pretty much the case. Right, because um, I would be because looking forward to a, a, a joint bid from a South American country, uh, two South American countries or something along the lines of that. Right. Is it because if there was going to be somebody to step up and, and, and take over broadcasting of the tournament, especially in Mexico, which is their home turf, it'd be Televisa more than likely. Absolutely, absolutely. You would have Televisa and Tevesteca sharing broadcast rights. Uh, but then again, you know, the United States and Televisa have a pretty uh, solid relationship as, as far as soccer goes. Um, you know, Televisa is part owner of Univision, and uh, they've, been, they've been pushing Mexican soccer and, and MLS and, and other projects in the United States to Spanish-speaking viewers for years now. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of, you know, shared interests, a lot of common ground between what a tournament in the United States would entail and one of Mexico's biggest media companies. So again, it, it's not, it's worth pointing out that this is a very important um, media company coming out and, and stating in, in three paragraphs, mind you, mm-hmm. <laughs> again, with no official source behind it. They're just saying, look, it's not going to happen. It, Move on. It Nothing reads, to see here. It reads like a press release from the FMF, but it's not. <laughs> it's it's from television. Exactly. Um, the, the, other, exactly. the other thing to consider here, and I think this is just from a fan perspective, look, Mexico is in the Copa America tournament regularly most of the time. I think for, uh, every every tournament since I don't know how, how long it's been. Eric, I'm sure you know. It's been a long time. Mexico's part of the right. landscape of, of Copa America. The United States is not. We have not participated since 2007. The story goes that Bob Bradley took a B team right after a Gold Cup. Uh, the Commonwealth officials weren't too happy about that, and uh, we haven't been invited back since. Is there any chance, or do we even have any, any any idea of whether or not this tournament, even if it happens in South America, may be an expanded field? They may still stick to a 16-team field, or even if they do stick to their 12, that perhaps the United States still manages to get in somehow. I think that that's a, um, something for the U.S. to consider, U.S. soccer. That's definitely something that I would press a guy like Sunil Gulati on um, if you're take if you, you, the tournament is taken away from the United States are you still are you still um, okay with competing in it um, you know are you pulling out in, in, as a protest or are you just not invited anymore is this you know again com- uh, Bulls party and and you can't come in um, this is a very I would say a pretty tre- treacherous uh, idea for the U.S. soccer to entertain. The, the fact that this tournament might go from being held in the United States to not having the U.S. men's national team involved in it at all. And that would definitely, I mean, that's a PR, a, a black eye uh, for Conmebol. I, I don't think that anybody would blame U.S. soccer for not being involved in that tournament. If the entire reason why they're not having the tournament in the United States is because they're corrupt and they're afraid of being arrested, then, you know, good riddance in my mind. I mean, I, I, I would actually hope that Mexico did the same. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I no, think Mexico, no. as, as you mentioned, Mexico and Conmebol have a, a, a tighter relationship. Mexico has been sending B teams to the Copa America since 2011 and nobody has said a word because Mexico is 
a huge opportunity for Carnival in general to make oodles and oodles of money. So I don't think that, right. that Mexico would, would back off. And, and the, I do yeah, think yeah. that Sorry, the symbiotic relationship or, or the shared relationships that Mexico has with Carnival and the United States put it in a very weird position. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if there's something that you got to thank Televisa for is right. for kind of swooping in there and clearing it up as, as, as quickly as possible, yeah. it, it would have been a very awkward thing. It would have been a very awkward thing for Mexico to, to hold this tournament. I still think that it would have been good for Mexico in the long run to have a tournament of this magnitude being held in the country. And I definitely saw that reaction on Twitter yesterday from American fans going out. I mean, it's a, it's a disappointment from a fan's point of view. Take everything else out of the equation to have Lionel Messi, James Rodriguez, uh, Neymar, and all these guys playing in your backyard mm-hmm. at the highest level is, is a huge, huge deal. Mm-hmm. But um, in the end, it's their party. It's their show. They're going to sure. run it the way yeah. that they want to. No, I, I, I've said on this on this show, and, and I'm I, if I was going to take off, uh, you know, take out any logic, any appre- appreciation for the actual situation, and just be a fan and be selfish, Eric, I will. Uh, you know, I, I want the tournament here. I don't care what it means. I don't care if it's about graft and 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 getting money. Uh, you know, uh, people bribing people for, right. for media. I, I just want the tournament because for the United States, it, it would be obviously for Mexico would be huge, but for the United States, it would be massive as well. Um, the first real show that they that the country's been able to put on from a soccer standpoint since two thousand or since nineteen ninety four, obviously, uh, and sort of the you know a, a milepost in the growth of the game in this country because ninety four was this explosion of enthusiasm, but it was very naive enthusiasm. Now we have a much more educated fan base, even if we're not where we want to go. A much more educated fan base, right. millions of people watching on television every week of all stripes. I mean, watching Liga MX, watching Premier League, watching uh, MLS, obviously. So. Uh, from that perspective, it would be huge. Um, uh, you know, I don't know where we are right now. I, you know, it's interesting to consider Mexico being pulled uh, in two directions by two different bodies. Uh, we, we wait on the the, um, the meeting next week in, in Mexico uh, City, which is obviously a, an interesting place for this to be. Um, you know, I don't know how to how else to put a bow on this discussion other than to say uh, we know that there's going to be a tournament. We've established that, uh, or at least that's the that's the the um, consistent refrain out of. Comable officials. Uh, the, so much of this is tied into the FIFA scandal, uh, the money that's been uh, uh, the money that, that, that the DO, Department of Justice has identified. I mean, it was one hundred and fifty million dollars or something like that. That was, uh, or one hundred million dollars was directly tied to this tournament in terms of of bribes and and, uh, and kickbacks. Um, the the limit. I mean, it was asked on Twitter by Stephen. Logistically, how long is too long before a place is concretely concretely determined? It's getting dangerously close. It depends on where they put it. I mean. I think it obviously right. it it actually if they don't have a decision Thursday and you know knowing these two bodies it's very possible they don't come to a conclusion Thursday if if they don't come to a conclusion Thursday that's actually probably a good sign for for the United States I don't think it's I mean I don't think yeah. it, I don't think it means it's going to happen but it would be well you're pushing the envelope on the time to get ready even you know Mexico probably needs the second least amount of time based on the stadium situation. Uh, but the United States is again, as you said, three months is probably enough. Uh, so I guess we just wait. wait. Yeah, even Canada could do it sure. in, in a short amount sure. of time. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still thinking that it's, um, it's not going to come to a final decision on Thursday. Uh, even then, yeah. the best thing that the United States can do is just kind of sit back and wait. I think that that's the best thing uh, for U.S. soccer in terms of their PR. And in terms of their uh, 
um, in terms of their position regarding this tournament, because again, there's the, they could go either way. They could not even be playing in this next year. Yeah. If Carnival will that, uh, to be that way if they change the format so if they say we're just going to go back to the way that it it, yeah. it has been and, and not invite more than two teams well, um, the, other, can, the other thing they can try to, and do it that way the other thing here eric that is interesting to consider is and again this all happens within the context of, of the scandal but you know comable may have this notion of you know while copa america is obviously a huge tournament and certainly in south america in terms of what it could be, it doesn't yet match the European Championships, for example. And no. everybody wants to. I mean, we, we've got people. Uh, we've got people in the U.S. conceiving of of an America's uh, uh, an America's Champions League. I mean, people are constantly trying to find ways to push the envelope, make more money, make things bigger. Certainly, you know, compete with some of the bigger tournaments. If right. and we have a Euro next year. If Comable imagines themselves and their tournament being on par with the Euros then there's still an argument for making it as big as possible, even if that's not the United States, which is obviously the, the, the biggest you could possibly make it based on the media rights and, and the facilities and everything else. There's still an argument for 16 teams. There's still an argument for sort of pushing this on a new, on a new stage. I mean, again, Copa America's big oh, tournament. People care. The Brazilians care. The Argentines care. The, the Chileans care, clearly. But you want the rest of the world to care? You know, bring in Mexico. Bring in the United States. Put it on on a stage that is again uh, somewhat equal Try to put what, it on equal footing yeah yeah, yeah. That, i mean I, that's and, and i'm I, like i said i think these are competing interests in the heads of even the people who are in charge right now and, and they're starting trying to scramble to figure out how to grab hold of something with so much change happening based on on all these people either being arrested or or going into hiding or choosing not to travel it's it's ridiculous Absolutely. And I'll say this before I get off the line. Um, I'm definitely in agreement with you. And I think that that's the, the utopia for, for CONCACAF fans in general. I don't really think that Conmobile cares beyond the amount of money that they can make. Um, I think that logistically speaking, and even, even from a sporting point of view, from a level, a soccer level point of view, they don't really care because they still think and they know that they are above CONCACAF in terms of, of prestige and in terms of level and in terms of star power. I will say this, though. The Mexican business model for soccer is probably, and it feels weird to say this about Mexico and, and the economy in any way, it's probably the soundest thing that any country in CONCACAF could do. They're not giving up CONCACAF. They're, they're still playing in the CONCACAF Champions League. They're still playing in the Gold Cup. They're still playing their friendlies in the United States. They're making a ton of money off of CONCACAF. But every four years, they go and they play in the Copa America, and they make a ton of money off that. They send their teams to the Copa Libertadores, and they make a ton of money off of that. I don't think that this is ever going to happen because money, uh, the money aspect is too huge. It definitely is. Yep. Eric Gomez, you have to be following Eric on Twitter, Eric Gomez 86 if you want consistent updates on Everything that's coming out around Copa America 2016. And there's a lot more, too. Eric's a, a multifaceted individual, but he's covering Mexican soccer and doing a fantastic job. Eric, I love having you on the show. Thank you so much. Good discussion. And uh, hopefully by next Thursday, we'll have an idea. Even if it's not a resolution, we'll have an idea. Hopefully. Great to be on. Thanks a lot. There goes Eric. Good stuff from him. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk to you on a Friday. Phone lines will be open. 87, sorry, that's not the number. Wow. 646-832-3909. In a minute. Be right back.
During the past few months, we've created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite MLS team play on TV, muting the broadcast, heading over to Rabble.tv to hear my audio during the game, and then drinking a cold beverage as we spend 90 minutes together discussing our favorite league. Now Rabble.tv is taking it to the next level with a brand new redesign, as well as new apps for Android and iOS smartphones and tablets. So no matter whether you're at home or on the road, tune into this Sunday's broadcast between Orlando and Sporting Kansas City and listen to me sharing my thoughts and opinions. With Rabble, you can join in too by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. And if you have an iPhone or Android, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Or why don't you create your own broadcast? Call one of your team's games. It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me this Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for Orlando City versus Sporting Kansas City on Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on a Friday. Thank you very much for listening to Soccer Morning. We already talked a little bit about what today is. If you missed the beginning of the show, uh, just uh, obviously we're noting uh, the anniversary of September 11th, 2001, 14 years ago today. Some... uh, (laughs) Some life-changing events in New York, Washington, and Pennsylvania, and uh, just I'm just putting that out there. I feel it's important uh, to reference that today. Uh, we don't have to put a soccer context around that. There were uh, there's some things floating around about how MLS responded. Uh, obviously, we remember uh, so much of of what happened in the aftermath of uh, the events of 2000 uh, of 9/11. That uh, you know, it's out there. It's uh, it's stuff. If you want to go back and recall the the past and and uh, do your due diligence in in just remembering then uh, I think that's a, a very worthwhile thing to do today but we're also talking about the present day and soccer now and we have the phone lines open at 646-832-3909 so a lot of things here to uh, to talk about again David De Gea signing a contract extension with Manchester United this is after his uh, deal to go to Man- to Real Madrid fell through due to some snafu with a fax machine and timing and whether or not Real Madrid ever put in the or ever submitted their paperwork correctly to the La Liga offices uh, or the uh, the Spanish FA offices, that's a mess. Darlington Nagby is an American citizen. Are you excited for Darlington Nagby to be an American citizen, or do you just imagine that you know uh, for the time being it probably doesn't mean a whole lot? He's eligible now. He's not going to be called up for October tenth. That that's almost an impossibility. You've got. Uh, you've got World Cup qualifiers, admittedly against minnows, coming up in November. So maybe there's an opportunity there. I think the first chance we're really going to see uh, Narlington Nagby get to be in this national team setup is in January when Jurgen Klinsmann will run his camp in Carson, California in a bid to find some new players. He'll, he'll get, bring in some MLS players. Uh, traditionally, that's been where some Scandinavian-based players have been as well. I don't think we have anybody up there. How's Josh Gatt doing? How's that hamstring, Josh, or that knee, or whatever was the thing? What was the thing? I think Josh Gad is back training, but maybe not playing yet. How's the window closed on Josh Gad? I mean, that sounds so mean to say, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound so mean to say something like, is is it over for Josh Gat? How old is that kid at this point? 24 years old. 
He just turned 24 last month. Oh, no, not yeah, like, uh, like two weeks ago. Is it over for Josh Gad at 24? Probably not, but it's also about whether or not you can trust that he'll ever be consistently healthy. Josh Gat, not on the level of a Stuart Holden, but we know where we are with Stuart Holden. Wishing him the best. Hope he gets back on the field. No idea how long that's going to take him. And doesn't it seem as though Stuart Holden has just fully transitioned into the TV thing? And now he's going to be a dad. I don't know if you saw that. Stuart Holden's going to be a dad. His wife is pregnant. Congratulations for Stuart Holden. I, I, I hope that Stuart Holden is happy. I, I'm pretty sure he is. I can imagine that's difficult to say goodbye to that portion of your life that is the soccer career when it's not of your own choosing. But in terms of an all-around life, he's probably better off. He's 30 years old now. I mean, if you want to feel old, Stuart Holden's 30 now. He turned 30 on, Oct- on August 1st. Good Lord. Tim on Twitter, I'm at work, can't call in. Since when is Garber in charge of USSF? NFL model be the death of soccer. What does that mean, Tim? Nobody said he was. I'm not sure what you're talking about, Tim. That doesn't make any sense. Chris on Twitter, I think he means to say Nagby. He says Dagby. I don't understand all the hype. People really think he's going to be a game changer. What? No. What? Who said anything about a game changer? Can't the guy just be a good player that might have a role in the national team who is um, has a, a quick soccer mind, uh, a good set of physical tools, a potential benefit to the team? I mean, what, what is this about game changer? Why is everything hyped so much? I mean, maybe three years ago, I would be really excited and we talking about Nagby as a central part of what's happening for the national team. Oh my goodness, he's going to do this to the team and that's it. No, at this point, based on what he's done for Portland, he's a nice player who has a bright future who probably could help the national team on some level. I mean, go watch Darlington Nagby play. I understand that people want to criticize him for the lack of production, certainly on the goal-scoring end. I don't, I don't know how many assists Darlington Abbey has this year. But the talent is there. And you can't, you, you can't teach talent. And you shouldn't overlook talent. Yeah, he needs to be consistent to be a, a major part of the team going forward. I, again, I'm not, I'm not advocating for Darlington Abbey to walk into the U.S. national team setup and be a starter or even a first-choice guy for a 23-man roster. But you give the guy a look. You give him an opportunity. You see if you can fit him in somewhere. I mean, this is a team that has struggled to find creative elements that can help the team. Michael Bradley's being forced to, to play a 10 that he's not suited for. If Clinton is going to overlook guys like Benny Failhaber, Lee Wynn, then maybe Nagby is not, uh, 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 I'm not even saying he should be in the middle necessarily, but you can shift some pieces around. You have some more options now. He's a slasher. He's a guy who can obviously uh, key a counterattack. I mean, right now, right now, in the United States setup, as constructed by Jurgen Klinsmann, who's the guy to run the counterattack? Who is that guy? Is it Jossie Zardes? You want him making that decision? You want him with the ball at his feet? I trust. I like Jossie Zardes. He's a good player. I want him close to goal. I trust. Darlington Nagby on the break with 40 yards of space more than I trust Yassi's artist right now. Am I wrong about that? Trevor, give me some feedback here. Yes or no? 
Tej on Twitter. I'll be at Red Bull Fire tonight. No. You want you want Zardis with the ball at his feet instead of Nagby. Okay. All right. We agree to disagree. I'll be at Red Bull's Fire tonight at Red Bull Arena. What do you expect from them from that match, both on and off the field? Oh. Okay. I'm not wrong about it. Okay. Thank you, Trevor. <laughs> this is why we work so well together. I, I don't I really don't know what the festivities or the not festivities. Sorry, that's the wrong word. I don't know what the commemoration of September 11th will be at Red Bull Arena. Tej, I, I haven't seen anything about that. I, I imagine that there's going to be some recognition by the club, some sort of pregame ceremony. I uh, imagine the fans, especially the South Ward, will have something planned. I, I expect something pretty pretty significant and uh, and touching from the South Ward, to be honest with you. Um, as for on the field, I expect the Red Bulls to win. And if they don't win, then we're going to have to reassess where we think they are in terms of an MLS Cup. But I think they're going to win. So my man Ray in Milwaukee. What's going on, Ray? What up? Um, I, I I don't really have a problem what the commissioner Don Garber said in, in uh, Manchester. Yeah. Um, but um, what what I would really like to know is wh- what is the mechanism we're going to use to get to the level of oh, absolutely. Spending? This is what this is what Garber does, though, right, Ray? He leaves that part out. He leaves it open. He what he said was. And if you ha- if you missed this, and we've talk- been talking about it for the last couple of days, Don Garber at Soccer X in Manchester. Now remember, Soccer X is a you know it's a conference, it's a networking opportunity, it's a bunch of business people in a room. Okay, we're not talking about he's not he's when he gets up in front of those people, he's not thinking about what the fan is going to think of his comments. He's not thinking about sending this message across the Atlantic. He is only talking to business people in a business context. And when he, what he said was, I believe in 10 years or less, people will think of MLS uh, as they think of Serie A, La Liga, or hopefully maybe the Premier League. Uh, he, right. he said, if we stick to our plan. Now, beyond that, I, again, he doesn't have to address that stuff. This isn't a report to shareholders. He's not required to outline how exactly they plan to get there. But that's what we do as fans. We fill in those gaps and we go, well, what do you mean? How, do you, how is this possible? Well, I think there's a couple of things, Ray. One, I think that, well, I don't know what MLS's plan is. If he says we're going to stick to our plan, I believe that probably means slow growth in terms of salary cap and expenditures, while they also try to bring in as much revenue as possible from TV and expansion fees. I, I don't, and hopefully they reinvest that somehow. I think they believe that the academies are going to start pumping out players at a, at a higher rate in the next 10 years. I also think that they believe there's going to be a, a change in the structure of European soccer. Whether that means the leagues themselves are sort of forced to put in restrictions because of spending being out of control and clubs going into debt and uh, insolvency being an issue, or if it means that we have a break-off and the Super League finally happens and La Liga and Serie A look very differently without Real Madrid and Barcelona and maybe Atletico Madrid. You know what I'm saying? Like MLS compared to, right. to a La Liga without those three teams is very different than MLS compared to a La Liga with those three teams. No, um from a foreign perspective, they always talk about that they want to have a more American style of uh, spending on players. But uh, I also think that there people always gravitate, well, then that means that they want to be like the NFL or have a salary cap system. But uh, if you actually look at it, baseball spending policy, uh, uh, they have record profits. Major League Baseball has had like record profits over like the past five seasons, and their uh, teams 
uh, uh, value uh, has increased dramatically. Mm -hmm. So uh, when people talk about uh, foreign ownership being ex uh, wanting to explore American style of financing a team, I think sometimes we tend to focus solely on the football schedule, uh, 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 football element and not the Major League Baseball element. And I think that Major League Baseball element of spending is ultimately the type well, of spending that's going to get us to where we need to go. Ray, we need to identify what the pillars of American sports management are in order to determine what which ones the Europeans are actually enticed by. And I think those pillars are um, responsible spending or more responsible spending, parity. Like parity is probably part of it. I mean, we just heard um, whoever that German was, can't remember his name, who's like a business manager of the German national team talking about this. He wants parity in Germany because he thinks it's ridiculous that only one team can win a title. Um, so it's it's that budgetary mindset, maybe restraining some spending because that gives them that gives teams some predictability. And, and look, business that's what business people want. They want to know what the future holds based on how much they're going to spend. And all the, so I think it's that. I think it's parity. Beyond that, I don't know what else would be out there. I mean, I think those are probably the two major pillars and maybe one more that we haven't identified. So if you're aiming for parity, then you can argue that the budget and the, and the salary cap and everything will help you install parity. Or, like you're saying, maybe it's a Major League Baseball model, which doesn't work on a salary cap but works on a luxury tax. Um, right. That, that would, that there would, is some sort of parity in baseball, though. I mean, small sure. market teams yeah. have been successful. Yes. The Milwaukee Brewers have been highly successful not this season, but in recent seasons. No, the Brewers uh, and the, the, City. the Royals. The Royals are the, the prime example of that, absolutely. Right. And so, yep. Uh, and then uh, uh, I would just like to say I think I'm, I think Manchester United and Liverpool is going to be 1-1, and I think Boca Rivers 2-1 uh, to Boca. Okay, that game is, where is that game? I, it's, uh, I don't know where it's going to be played. It's on Sunday. That's all I know. Okay. I, it's, it's okay. I think, uh, I think, uh, River Plate's at home, right? I believe that's the case. Yeah. I think they're hosting right. that match. Right. Okay. Thanks for the call, Ray. Appreciate it, Ray. Shirt number two, yep. soccer morning. Yep. He's, uh, he's one of the, uh, one of the legends around here. If you're good enough, you get a shirt number when you call in. If you call in enough, you call in, uh, consistently and with good stuff, then I will, uh, I'll happily hand one out to you. All right, I believe that's going to be at the Estadio Man, uh, Monumental. That's my that's my terrible accent right there. I'm working on Spanish, by the way. Just just you know, tipping dipping my toes into some waters. And what I'm finding is I can read a lot more than I thought. I mean, I can understand the gist, but yeah, actually speaking it, that's a different story. Six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine is your phone number. Jump in here on a Friday. Whatever you got, okay. Whatever it is. You want to talk about Darlington Nagby? You want to talk about Copa America 2016? Just, all right, how about this question, okay? I don't know if we're going to have time to get a bunch of people in on this, but here's a good question. When you think about the possibility, uh, ignore everything that's going on around the tournament right now and the uncertainty of whether or not the United States will host. What would 2016 Copa America United States mean for you personally and for American soccer on the whole? Because I think we are... This is one of those situations. We live in a in a in a world in a in a time of hyperbole, of of rampant, out of control hyperbole. Everything is the best. Everything is the greatest. Everything is the worst. Everything is uh, horrible. I don't think we can overstate the impact of Copa America 2016. I, I really don't. 
Now, again, I think it it turns a little bit on what kind of what kind of squads we get. If that happened, would it be the best Argentina to, uh, side? Would it be the best Brazilian side? All of those things come into play. But a 16-team tournament, roughly half the World Cup size, obviously. So four groups of four. I mean, with the possibility of the biggest stadiums we've got, hopefully with real grass or not the sod over the turf, which is let it bet in, please. But think about that. Think about how big that would be. Think about the broadcasting opportunities for whoever has the rights. Think about just what kind of stage that would be. You don't think Scott Van Pelt would spend plenty of time on SportsCenter and his new one-man show talking about Copa America if it happened here next summer? You don't think that this would blow the doors off of anything we've seen here since 1994? I mean, of course it would, right? Of course it would. Not only are you talking about these big teams, which draw attention. Not only talking about big stadiums being filled up. Not only are you talking about great, just good games. And, and, and I mean, Copa America is always fun, no matter where it takes place. Mexico aiming for their first major trophy. I mean, who knows where they'll be next year. Obviously, the United States is going to want to put on a, a good display in their, on the home soil. But think about the, the difference in the coverage of soccer across all media since 1994. 1994 was a massive success. Massive. Still, still holds the record for attendance for a World Cup. There wasn't 32 teams back then, by the way. How big was the World Cup in 1994? Because the U.S. US made it into the knockout rounds as a third-place team. We're not doing that anymore. you got to be finished top two to make it into the knockout rounds now. If, uh, you know, just think about the, how people have come to recognize sports as part of the greater landscape. Do we have a long way to go? Sure. Sure we do. Sure, there are plenty of people who look down their nose. I, read a, I just read a story today over at uh, Kotaku about uh, Madden nine, uh, about Madden and the future of, of Madden, the football game, and the fact that if they really want to make it like football, then it should be 22, play, 22 people playing online together, each one as an individual player, which is an incredibly insane idea. I, I get why the argument's being made. I think this was at Kotaku. But anyway, the, the guy, person writing this story, I don't know if it was a guy or girl, said that there is a precedent for this. EA has tried this with FIFA, but we know FIFA's not real football. And of course, you know, maybe it's a dig for humor's sake, but that's the kind of thing that we're, you know, we're still moving past. I just, I, I, I think this would be so much different in the tone and the feel of what we dealt with in 94. And some of you, some of you weren't alive. Don't even. Re- I mean, I'm talking about today about remembering and never forgetting September 11th of 2001, 14 years ago. Some of you don't even remember that. Some of you listening to me right now were so young, you have a very, very vague rep- recollection of what was going on there. Most of you weren't even alive in '94. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Tej. I think it'd be an invaluable chance for the U.S. to play in a major competition, prove their worth, especially if they miss Confederation Cup. And that's the playing side for the United States. Even if they don't, even if the United States doesn't make it to, the, say, the semifinals, which would be amazing, very difficult, but amazing. Let's say the United States comes up short or, or, or goes out in the quarters. Even then, this tournament would be huge for the game of this country. 
Steven says it would mean to him potential relationships with Kamabol, maybe a shift from European mindset to American. It'll allow for an opportunity to develop some American identity and hope that we don't necessarily have to copy Europe. I mean, that's that's pretty interesting. That's a pretty interesting thought. I mean, we've been talking for years. People have been throwing out the possibility for years of Kamabol and CONCACAF coming together and joining up as one confederation. I don't think it's going to happen. Part of that is because the travel is insane, but also because you have the Caribbean block and they're never going to say yes to something like that. You would essentially have to create a new confederation out of the Caribbean block. They would have to pull out. Then you'd end up with Costa Rica, the United States, Mexico, Honduras, maybe El Salvador, Panama, maybe Jamaica if they left the Caribbean block, but I don't know, Canada. Those teams, those countries would then join Comable. But it's but it's it's just logistically speaking almost impossible. John says that it has to be broadcast with somebody other than being Sport USA to register. Did they, who won was there a we have an idea of who won the rights to that? Was it BN Sport? I didn't know if that was settled or not. I mean, obviously traffic was involved. But that's the thing. If traffic was involved and now they're not, and now that there has to be a, a new bidding process, it's very possible somebody steps in Somebody with a, a, a bigger profile. Nothing against being sport, but as John says, they're not exactly the highest profile broadcaster of American soccer. Not not a lot of you know. There are fewer people know where being sport is on their cable provider on their channel guide than Fox Sports One, NBC Sports Network, ESPN. Those are the big boys. If you could find some way to split it between ESPN and say Fox, I mean that may be the best case scenario. If you get the two two of the biggest, I mean, NBC is a big one too, but if you get two of the biggest media companies with an interest in soccer involved and they both have a vested interest in pushing the tournament, that's to the benefit of the tournament. I mean, I'm ready for this thing. I am. I'm ready for this thing. And I think I'd be torn whether I'd want to cover it or be a fan. But, you know, obviously, you know, I, it's, <laughs> both are fine and both are great. All right. Looks like the calls have dried up on a Friday. I understand. It's the weekend. You guys are ready. Ready to go do your thing, whatever that might be. Uh, enjoy the weekend. We've got, uh, again, MLS tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern. New York, uh, New York Red Bulls hosting Chicago Fire. Big weekend of MLS. Liverpool-Manchester United in, the, in, in that game, that rivalry game. Uh, Barcelona-Atletico Madrid is on tap. Uh, we've already mentioned the Super Classico down in South America. River Plate, Boca Juniors. That'll be a good one. Big weekend of soccer coming up. We'll be back on Monday to break it all down. Make sure you go give us a rating and a review on iTunes. That helps us out. Puts us out there. Oh, go to the Soccer Morning YouTube channel and watch the five-minute video I did with Alexi Lawless asking some questions, answering some questions about the U.S. Men's National Team. And we'll talk to you on Monday later. Did my invitations disappear? What I put my heart on every cursive letter Tell me why the hell